about baptism, what that means, what that looks like, why we do it. Last week, uh, Brett walked us through the idea of grace and, and what that looks like and what that means as we consider these things that are commonly talked about in our faith, that are commonly talked about at church or at SM night or at youth group or wherever it is that you hear these phrases, these words, these concepts, but oftentimes we don't to, uh, define them. Oftentimes we don't look at all of the complex understandings and meanings of these things. And uh, this week, one of the things that I wanted to do, um, initially I wanted to do it uh, the first week, but um, one of my brothers got married, the schedule got all thrown off, and so it got moved down. But I think it'll work out great because we've already seen uh, two of these concepts, two of these ideas with baptism and with grace. And, and next week we're going to look at communion uh, and, and what that means. And I think that um, one of, what I want to look at tonight is this tethering piece, this connective tissue uh, of why all of these are important to us in our faith, why all of these are important to understand and, and to know um, as we move forward in our lives, as we continue to dig deeper into our understanding of our faiths. And, and that connective tissue is going to sound like the lame answer in small group, but it it's the lame answer in small group because it's so true. And that, and that is Jesus. Uh, that is the, the gospel, the, right? We hear the gospel, the good news. Uh, but what I want to kind of look at tonight is, is uh, this idea of Jesus connections, okay? How Jesus connects to all of these things and why he gives meaning and importance and, and really is the reason to why we even need to know all of these other basic things in our faith. And... Um, you can flip to it now. Uh, if you were here in middle school a uh, long time ago, pre-COVID, then you know what this means. A lot of you weren't. I was. We were doing the math earlier. If you were a, the seniors right now, we're in eighth grade. The last time uh, one of these uh, happened. So um, sophomores are we're in sixth grade. If you were here in sixth grade, so for a lot of you, you don't even know what this means, and so. For a very long time, I was the middle school person here at the chapel. Um, yeah, we had something called middle school midweek that met on Wednesday nights. And there were so many middle schoolers that were coming to this that we were split into three different rooms. So eighth grade was in this room, seventh grade was upstairs in Ross Hall, and sixth grade was down in Woodward Hall. And we, for small groups, we took up literally every room in the building. And so, obviously, I can't be in three places at once. And so one of the things that we did was we made a video every week. And I called it The Weekly Show because I'm really good at naming stuff. And because I really like my own name, I threw it in the title as well. So it was The Weekly Show with Nick Mercer. And this was kind of, it started as literally just me doing this, of me setting up small group, uh, of me going through a, sh a short devotional talk. But I could do it the exact same way to all three rooms because... It was a video, and I only really had, to, had done it once, right? And so then uh, as we were making these videos, I was like, well, we, maybe we'll throw some fun stuff in there. We'll do some announcements, that kind of thing. And so the very first fun segment that we ever did was something called Safari Nick. And ultimately what I was doing was pretending that I was um, Steve Irwin, and I would walk around the chapel and go through people's offices while they weren't in them, or once I broke into Tommy's car, and was like doing stuff in, in there um, and just pretending like I was exploring nature. And, and that was really fun uh, for me and for uh, Waldrop when we were making them. And so we were like, okay, let's do another fun thing. And the next thing we did was something called Midweek Connections. 
And what I would do in midweek connections is I would try to connect things to midweek. And I was, my whole thesis of this was anything can be connected to midweek. And I was going to just do one and explain it. And we dove into the archives today and we found the very first ever weekly show where I did a midweek connections. There's no pomp. There's no pizzazz. It is literally just me explaining what connections is and then rolling through a couple of examples. And so I thought it'd be fun if we watched that tonight, get a little nostalgia feel for me going. So we're going to watch that and then I'll tell you why we watched it after. Excited about this because I've been trying to figure out how to do this for a long time. So the title of this segment this is from is 2017. Connections. This hand motion connection, very important for the title. So many of you maybe have heard of this thing called the Bacon Number Theory, or Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon. And basically, how this theory works is that there's this actor. His name's Kevin Bacon. He's been in so many movies that you can name any other actor, and you can trace a lineage of less than or equal to six people, and they are connected. So it's like the girl who was in Moana has a vacant number of three. She's only been in Moana, but there was an actor in Moana who was in another movie with another actor who was with another, another movie with Kevin Bacon. It, it'll make sense in a second, but this Midweek Connections is based on that Kevin Bacon theory. Now, how this is going to work is I asked uh, Abby and Lauren and... Madeline, for three random things, people, places, and things. And then we will draw a connection back to midweek, a midweek connection. So we'll see how it goes. The first thing that I was given was bacon. All right, so we're now going to connect bacon and midweek. So midweek is the event that you are all at right now watching a video of me. When I was in middle school, I went to Berkeley and we had these teams that were named after animals and I was on the Oinkers. Oinkers is a nickname for a pig and what delicious treat is made from pigs? Bacon. Connections. Midweek and bacon. The second thing I was given is an actor by the name of Dave Franco. And you might ask, how is Dave Franco connected to Midweek? Well, let me tell you. Dave Franco is the brother of fellow actor James Franco, and James was in a movie titled Rise of the Planet of the Apes, which was a movie about apes, but also featured some gorillas. Now Harambe was a gorilla, and we all mourned and loved that man, and because some of us loved him so much, there was a wiffle ball team last year named R.I.P. Harambe, and where did the guys on that team meet in order to figure out what their wiffle ball team name would be? Right here at Midweek Connections. Now finally, and this is my favorite one. Finally, I was given the Bermuda Triangle. And there was an easy path to connect, but I went the very hard, the, the road less traveled, as Robert, Robert Frost would say, to get here. So the Bermuda Triangle is famous for being a place where things mysteriously disappear, including Flight 19, which was a group of five Grumman TBM Avenger bombers that were lost on December 5th. 1945. December 5th is the same date that in, in 1792, George Washington was re-elected as President of the United States. George Washington, as you know, could not tell a lie when he chopped down that cherry tree. And cherries come standard on the top of Chick-fil-A milkshakes. Chick-fil-A was founded in Hapeville, Georgia, and Hapeville, Georgia is in Fulton County, Georgia, the same county as Atlanta. And Atlanta is now the home of Stephen Watts, and Watts used to work here at the chapel where he would come and film what? Midweek. Connections. Connections. All right, so a few things about that. One, that was painful for me to watch, 
because I was not, that was me and Waldrop both figuring out what the heck we were doing. But two, if I could not find anything, any other videos later than that, but if you were around for like the very last Connections video we ever did, the budget and the quality was so much higher. Like every time I said anything, Waldrop had it flying in from the background on the screen. Like graphics were, they, we had its own intro seg to the segment. We had done a lot more. And so, but that was the only one I could find in the archives. It was a sad afternoon. I literally spent hours looking for this today. Um, and, and this was the only one I could find. But what the, the point of why I'm showing you that is that while that's silly, right, and, and anything that people would give me, I would make a, a basically a Wikipedia search and click, 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 click until I found anything I could connect back to midweek. And the reason that I, I, I showed you that is because I think, as we're going to look at today, that everything we do connects to Jesus, just as everything Jesus did connects us to new life with him. So I think everything that we do connects us to Jesus, just as everything Jesus did connects us to new life with him. And I want to kind of briefly go back through the two things that we've already looked at uh, and, and just kind of see just how much more connected to Jesus these ideas are than maybe we even realized after we heard a whole talk about it. So we're going to look at baptism first. And in Matthew chapter 3, um, at the very beginning of Matthew's gospel, we see this scene uh, starting in verse 13 that says, Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you, and you come to me. But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. And what I love about this story being included in Matthew's gospel is that we get baptized because Jesus himself was baptized, right? It's not just something that got tacked on later on. It's not just something that we kind of do that doesn't, you, like you lose why it even started. Jesus himself was baptized, and in this accounting of that, I love it, because you have Jesus, the Son, you have the, a voice from heaven, the Father, this is my beloved Son with whom I'm well pleased, and you have the Spirit descending, and so you have all three, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit coming together, being present in this moment of baptism, and baptism, as we learned, is a public expression of an inward transformation, it's, it's a it's a symbolism of the three uh, uh, godheads of the Trinity coming together within us, in our faith, in our belief, and, and being born, dunked under the water, and born again, right? All this stuff that Rich covered two weeks ago, Jesus himself uh, experienced. And in baptism, we proclaim the acceptance of faith and commitment to Jesus the acceptance of surrender and submitting to God and the acceptance of the Holy Spirit into our very being. We see how baptism connects to Jesus because Jesus himself was baptized. Last week, Brett talked about grace. We're going to jump ahead in, in Matthew's gospel to chapter 27. Uh, and we're going to pick up in verse 45. And it says, Now from the sixth hour, 
there was darkness all over the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lemma, ooh, didn't practice that one. We're going to skip it. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of the bystanders hearing it said, this man is calling Elijah. And one of them at once ran and took a sponge, filled it with sour wine, and put it on a reed and gave it to him to drink. But the other said, wait, let us see whether Elijah will come to save him. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. Next slide. And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook and rocks were split. The tombs were opened and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the tombs after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. When the centurion and those who were with him, keeping watch over Jesus, saw the earthquake and what took place, they were filled with awe and said, truly, this was the Son of God. What we see here is the depiction of Jesus on, right before Jesus dies. Right, We see Jesus on the cross where through his actions, Right, We are able to receive grace, what Brett talked about last week, this gift that we are undeservedly given. Jesus covering our rightful death with his death instead. And what I love about this is that within this, this terrible uh, uh, murder is essentially what it is, right? Within this death, there are three kind of symbols, three miracles, you could say, that are so connected to Jesus and the grace that his death and later resurrection brought to us that I think it's very important to look at. And so we see them in this slide right here. In verse 51, whoa, oh yeah, well, we'll, just, we'll just stay. In verse 51, we see that the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And the, the temple, the importance of this curtain being split from top to bottom is twofold. One, this curtain was so tall that no one could have just reached up and ripped it. So it signifies just how, like that this rip in the curtain came from, from something else, from some power beyond just a, a human being reaching up to rip it. it. Also, the point of the curtain in the temple was to keep separate the holiest of holies, the most important place in the temple where the presence of God was and that people like us, regular people, weren't allowed to go there. Just the highest, most devout priests were allowed to enter the presence of God. But with this symbolism, with this uh, tearing of the curtain of the temple, we see the first miracle in Jesus' death. It indicated that Jesus had conquered sin, that the curtain was no more, that there was now open a new way to connect with God. The second miracle, 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 the miracle is just after that. The earth shook and the rocks were split and the tombs were also opened. There was an earthquake, right? Later on it says um, when the people in the centurion and those watching uh, Jesus with him saw the earthquake and what took place, they were filled with awe and said, truly this was the son of God. Not just because an earthquake happened, but because of what the earthquake represented in Exodus 19, when Moses receives the law from God, the earth shakes, the rocks, um, the rocks split. Similar description to what happens when Moses receives the law. But this earthquake indicates that Jesus has now conquered the law. 
Like the earthquake when Moses received his law, this is now indicating the arrival of a new law, a new covenant. Connected with that curtain brings us uh, uh, Jesus really being the way that we are able to connect with God, to be with God in his presence, not just in this one spot inside the temple, but all of us able to have access with him wherever. And the third miracle we see is that the saints were raised, right? Resurrection, a precursor of what is to come in just the next chapter, indicated that Jesus had not just conquered sin and not just conquered the law, but he had conquered death. These miracles show the extent Jesus experienced in order for us to open his gift of grace. And finally, that brings us to the new life that Jesus brings. The next chapter, Matthew 28, right at the end, verse, starting in verse 16. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee and to the mountain which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is after Jesus has died, has been entombed, has, resurrect, has risen from the dead. He's met with the disciples before this, even after. And now he's giving them what is commonly called the Great Commission, right? This is, this is what this section of scripture is commonly called. And I think that in this we see, like the last, uh, when we looked at grace, we saw three miracles that, that showed Jesus' connection to that gift of grace. Here I think we see three truths that show Jesus' connection and, and our connection through him to this new life. So in verse 18, we see that he has all authority. Not some of the authority, not most of the authority. Jesus has all authority in heaven and in earth. In all of Matthew's gospel, Matthew is constantly talking about Jesus' authority, the authority that he brings as the son of God, the authority he brings to earth given to him by God. We see Jesus himself say, it's not some, not most, but all. And because of this, we may obey him without fear. I think that's something that we always don't think about, is that if we really think about it, when we think about obeying Jesus, about looking to his word as for guidance, about letting that be the thing in our lives that we value most, we're afraid of that. We're afraid. But Jesus has all authority on heaven and on earth. We saw from the miracles, the chapter before, that he has not just conquered sin, not just conquered the law, but he has even conquered death. And in, the, in that thing, in that, the thing he gives us, that what the point of what the gift of grace that Brett talked about last week is, is new life, is eternal life. And that comes through his authority. It also gives us an activity. He says, go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. And the interesting thing about the word go is that it's not a command in the original language. It's actually in, if you, if you care, uh, something called the present participle. So if you wanted a direct, a literal translation of that, it would say, while you are going, make disciples of all nations, implying that you are already on the move, not just telling people about Jesus, but teaching and knowing 
uh, his word ourselves as well. Jesus connects himself to us and then calls us to go back out into the world and connect others as well. I think if, if the, the people of the early church saw how church worked today, they'd probably be bummed out. It wasn't necessarily a place to just show up one day a week and check off the box of church. Church was in everyday life, in every moment. Your faith was supposed to be found, was supposed to be exhibited, taught, uh, learned. Everything you did was supposed to reflect our faith in Jesus Christ. And he's given us this call, this activity to go and make disciples, not just teaching them, but we have to know before we can teach. And the third truth here, we, we see his authority, we see the activity he has called us to, but we also know that he gives us the ability. We could not do this on our own. He says, behold, I am with you always to the end of the age, because if he was not, we could not. We submit to his authority, we answer his call to action, we are given ability to do these things through our connection with him. I kind of think of it like, there's a verse that's, I think it's written on the stained glass in the main sanctuary. You've probably heard it. We've, we talk about it a lot. The I am the vine, you are the branches, right? And, we, and I think another thing we always talk about and think about, but we don't often really parse, and I think the whole point of that is that Jesus is the vine, we are the branches. The branches cannot live without the vine. We cannot do anything without our connection to Jesus because of everything that he did for that connection to even be possible. Uh, down by the soda fountain that you guys love so much, if you walk a little bit farther, you'll see up on the wall uh, this mural or painting. I don't know what, I don't know what you call this. Um, but it's called The Four Spiritual Secrets. And uh, Dick Woodward was uh, three lead pastors ago in like the 70s and 80s uh, at the chapel. And, and he was a really smart guy and he wrote... And he wrote all of these, a lot of these like little books. Uh, they're only like 90 pages. The font's pretty big. They're quick reads. He has an easy writing style. Uh, and so one of these little pamphlets he called The Four Spiritual Secrets. And if, you, if you're interested, we've got a bunch of these upstairs. I can get you one and you can check it out. But what I love about these secrets uh, is that, one, we call them secrets because people want, people want to know secrets. They want to be in on the secrets. But this is something that I think we all, we all can know uh, free of charge. And there, I'm not, but he is. I can't, but he can. I don't want to, but he wants me to. And I don't, I didn't, but he did. And, and what I love that he did and what we put up on the wall is that after each and every single one, we hit home the point, the whole point of what we're talking about, that I am in, and I am in him and he is in me. And so when you read it, right, we talked about repetition in the Bible calling importance to something. I think repetition in general calls importance to something. So the four spiritual secrets in, in their entirety, I'm not, but he is, and I am in him, and he is in me. I can't, but he can, and I am in him, and he is in me. I don't want to, but he wants me to, and I am in him, and he is in me. I didn't, but he did, because I was in him, and he was in me. Everything we do connects us to Jesus, because everything he did 
made that connection possible. And it connected us not just to, uh, to rituals, not just to cool vibes and great ideas, but he connected us to new life through him, eternal life that is only made possible through our connection with Jesus Christ. The curtain was torn. God's presence no longer dwells in one specific spot, only made available to certain specific people. We all are able to be connected to his presence. And that's ultimately what I want to talk about more tonight in small groups. So let me pray for us, and then we can split up and head out. Lord Jesus, thank you for this opportunity to gather to learn more about who you are, about what you did, and why it is so, so important for us to understand that everything we do connects us to you because everything that you did made that connection possible. God, as we just learned in, in Dick Woodward's Four Spiritual Secrets, we know that I am not, but you are. We cannot, but you can. Oftentimes, we don't want to, but you want us to. And we know that even when we do, we didn't do it, but it was only made possible through you, through our connection with you, that we could. God, we love you, we thank you, and we praise you so much. And all God's people said, amen. <laughs>